Welcome to the latest edition of the OTT podcast with myself, Oliver Thompson, where I'll be talking to my great friend and health writer, speaker, wellness coach, Lauren Vaknin. Lauren's work looks at wellness not as a linear new age concept, but as the four modes of self. That's the physical, the mental, emotional, and the spiritual, all integrated into one enabling us to reach our full health and happiness potential. Let's talk about your passions and, and actually we share passions really, don't we, around holistic health and well-being and sort of the physical, mental, emotional and spiritual aspects of well-being, which are kind of dismissed quite often by science, aren't they? But it's something that I, I know I'm interested in, and I know you most certainly are. So tell us, tell us a bit about yourself and, and your journey and how you've come to where you are. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I'll try and make it, I'll try and condense it a bit because it's quite a long journey. But uh. um, just before my second birthday, I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. And um, it was my parents noticed swelling in my ankles and uh, the doctors didn't know what it was. It's growing pains to this, but my mum just knew it was more than that. She just had this feeling. Um, and then eventually it was diagnosed and I, my parents had never been, um, my parents are not educated in any way, both left school at 15, right. you know, working class families. And yet my mum had this kind of innate ability to tune in to her intuition and something just told her that the the drugs that they were at the time the only treatment that was available was steroids in very high doses that the 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 top rheumatologists at the time were saying that for pediatric rheumatology the way forward was really high doses of steroids really early on and it will knock it on the head Mm. unfortunately what happened was 15 years later that top um, pediatric rheumatologist who was kind of world renowned and happened to be at the the hospital that I was being treated at had to apologize for that method because actually it meant that all the children who were given that 15 years later however many years later in their case had joint deformities and secondary conditions like osteoporosis osteopenia and um, myriad other conditions as well so I was really lucky that my mum was my mum because she just didn't feel right about it so she knew nothing about holistic options at all but took herself to the library and spent three days in the library reading um everything she could and decided on homeopathy and so she thought I'll take her to a homeopath and um and my parents really didn't have a lot of money but they took what they could and they took me to see the best homeopathic dietitian in Harley Street right. and um, we saw him a couple of times and he advised all the foods that I shouldn't be eating. And this was 1986. So there wasn't, um, you know, we've got loads of substitutes now. You can go anywhere into health shops. There's health shops in every town. Oh, yes. <clears throat> and you can get, you know, oat milk and almond milk and right. yeah. everything, you know, buckwheat pasta, whatever you need, there is. And, and back in 1986, there wasn't. The macrobiotic movement was a new thing and my parents were not in that world at all you know yeah. um so they did what they could and listened to this doctor um but at the same time there were lots of missing pieces so then they found the homeopathic center in the town that we lived in and i was seeing homeopaths and herbalists my whole childhood and spiritual healers my grandparents were spiritualists and so my mum was always that way inclined And so I was always seeing spiritual healers, psychic surgeons, stuff like that. So it was quite normal for me. Yeah, Um, most people, that's kind of like, you know, you call that the woo-woo movement. Right, that's like the last resort. But but (laughs) that was, you know, I have such strong memories of going to see this healer that we used to go and see every every week, the psychic surgeon. Mm. And and then others, if others would, my mum would hear about others coming into the country, like this huge Indian guru, we would be on waiting lists for years and go and see these people. Yeah. So she was quite open to trying different things. Oh, yeah. Because the yeah. solution is more important than the method, right? Well, absolutely, yeah. But but the 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 issue was that we what I've come to now is understanding what a holistic approach actually means. That means a whole person approach mm-hmm. to healing. 
And my mum didn't have that information as much as she tried and she was doing her best and better than any other mum, you know, I know with the amount she did. There were so many missing pieces. She didn't know that, like what the doctor, what the homeopathic dietitian told her was don't give her dairy, don't give her acidic foods, mm. da, 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 da. But there was no, you know, huge amounts of information. So we were having like Diet Coke at home. Right, yeah. And chocolate. And, you know, we ate really healthily. My, my dad's Israeli. It was like a very Mediterranean diet. But, and like every night it was a fresh home-cooked meal. It was, it was no like beans on toast or anything like that. It was like yeah. fresh food. Yeah. But, you know, we, we didn't have all these missing pieces. My mum didn't know about the genetic, the epigenetic aspect, um, the, the trauma aspect, the emotional side of it. You know, like we didn't, we have a deeper understanding today of um, emotional intelligence, of, um, you know, the psychology of children and conscious parenting and how to listen to children and understand them. And that wasn't in place then. So I was having many traumas um, that's taken me years and I'm still working through them really, you know, having to go into hospital. Because So the point of saying this is that although my arthritis, the uh, not my arthritis, I never say that, the arthritis, it's oh, not mine, it's not my yeah. identity, it doesn't it's belong it to is, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the arthritis was better than the children. So I went to a group physio and hydro class and all the children apart from me all had were growing up with like joint deformities and these secondary conditions and very swollen faces from the steroids and they were noticeably unwell whereas I was tired and I was noticeably different to my school peers but I had a fairly normal childhood though it was up and down but I wasn't suffering like these other children and I was growing normally and like a lot of the girls once they hit puberty like didn't get their periods and like all these things that were being hindered in their development I, my development was normal I grew I was really tall um but next to my school friends I wasn't normal I had to sit you know on a chair and assembly when everyone had to sit on the floor I had to wear special shoes and all those things are difficult for a child yeah, and then I would have flare-ups um once or twice a year and they could be really intense sometimes and although my mum never gave me the oral steroids if my knees were really really inflamed I'd go into hospital and have my knees drained and have steroid injected into the knees and we didn't realize yeah and you know one of these traumas that I have been working on recently is when I was eight years old we were due to go to Disney World in Florida and on like a few days before literally my knees swelled up and again now I understand this to be a psychosomatic psychophysiologic response to having something to look forward to my bo my, my body my brain had never known a time where things had just gone well right. so I would have these psychosomatic responses to anything there was to look forward to so um which I only discovered in later years you know right. but my mum noticed the pattern that every time there's something to look forward to I would have a flare-up or something would happen mm -hmm. Um, so she took me to the hospital. It was Friday. And she said, you know, we're going, we're flying to Florida on Monday. And the rheumatologist said, you know, but whenever we've done this procedure before, she's been sedated. If we have to book her in for sedation, it's not going to, you're not going to go by Monday. We can do it without sedation. And they asked me at eight years old, what do you want to do? So I'm just going to say, well, I want to go to Disney World and I didn't want to let everyone else down. So I'm going to have to be brave. And so I had this procedure that was so traumatic that I still to this day remember every minute I remember down to like waiting for 20 minutes for the numbing cream to settle on my knees and feeling cold and feeling shivery and feeling you know and that's a trauma I'm working through still yeah. because it it was so painful and so traumatic and the whole plane journey then to Florida was just so traumatic and my sister who's four years younger than me walked the whole way around Disneyland and I was in a pushchair you know like a big child disabled pushchairy thing and um, anyway, so the, the point is, is that I had, I was much better off than the children that had arthritis that I knew, but it was still, there was still trauma there because we, we hadn't found all these missing pieces. And then my, my high school years were a lot better. I was, it was very stable so much so that my husband, who, you know, <laughs> we went to school together. He didn't even know I had arthritis. So amazing. Um, but then I got to 17. I left school to go to performing arts school. Um, and I had a massive, so when I, a year after the arthritis was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with a condition in my eye called uveitis, which is a an associated inflammatory right. condition. And um, that flared up 
really badly along with the joints when I was 17. And what had happened is the years of steroid eye drops that I'd taken because my parents didn't want to give me the oral steroids, but they were scared of the eye. So I was having these oral, yeah, these yeah. Um, steroid eye drops every day from the age of three. By 17, what had happened is it had caused cataracts, but not just one cataract, like one growing over the other, over the other, over the other. And it, the pressure in my eye was so low that they said it was so dangerous that they had to operate but they couldn't operate while the inflammation in the eye was so high. So I had to take a drug oh, to get the inflammation down. And I didn't have a choice. And at this point I was this, you know, rebellious teenager, very much rebelling against everything that had happened to me and not realizing I was doing that and knowing intuitively that I had this looming disability coming on. And so I was doing everything in my power to just be angry at life. I was doing drugs. I was getting, you know, I was in with the wrong crowd. I was suffering abuse. Like there was so much trauma at the same time as, you know, what was going on with my physical body. Um, and then, so I was like, oh, well the homeopathy has obviously done nothing. Look at me now. So I'm just gonna take this drug because I didn't understand how it had actually been supporting my immune system. Like I wasn't the kid that got ill all the time. I wasn't, and all these other kids with arthritis were so ill. Mm you know? And so I, I hadn't appreciated what it done to support my system. So I was like, I'm going to take this drug. And it was a chemo drug. And um, that was it. That was the end for a long time. And it nearly killed me genuinely. Because um, it damaged my liver so severely. Um, so within 10 months of taking it, the arthritis had gone from only affecting four joints to the entire my entire body being affected. So I couldn't um, I literally I couldn't eat because I couldn't my it went to my jaw I couldn't chew yeah, I, was, I couldn't I was going to talk. ask you I mean arthritis I mean what what exactly is arthritis I mean it, it's it's isn't it your DNA is it attacking yourself is that right some form. no it's not the DNA so there's two types of arthritis there's rheumatoid yeah. arthritis and osteoarthritis yeah. rheumatoid arthritis is what I had it's mm. autoimmune yeah osteo is more wear and tear later Watch on in that. life yeah yeah um, although younger people get it if their bodies aren't supported and their bones aren't supported and stuff. So rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease. And yes, the theory is that the immune system is attacking itself. Yeah. I now know everything, every, every dis-ease to actually be a healing response. Right. So what had happened um, initially was that I had had the measles rubella vaccine before the MMR had come out. Yeah. And that triggered a virus. So as soon as I had the vaccine, I got a virus and th that's when my ankles swelled up. So it, it was, a, as that was the, there were many other factors mm -hmm. down to, you know, epigenetic and epigenetic, the epigenetic side of this genetics, not being, a, my mum wasn't able to breastfeed me or hold me for two weeks when I was born. Cause she had like, all these things play a part, the passing yeah. down of the microbiome, all of that the trauma of not having the attachment from mother to baby at the beginning, so much that we've now like fit all these pieces together. Right, like the jigsaw um, puzzle the of health. You know, sorry? Jigsaw puzzle of health. Yeah, that's how it's gotta be. You know, you've got to be a detective. For your yeah, own yeah, yeah, health. yeah. And we got the, the medical records to see the direct correlation between the vaccine injury. Um, so that was kind of the catalyst. So what happens is if you have a genetic predisposition right. to an autoimmune disease or to whatever it is, yeah. it, it takes a trigger, a That's stressor right. yeah. to, to be the catalyst to, uh, to trigger whatever yeah. disease. So in some people, it will be cancer and some people it will be diabetes. Yeah. Um, so for me, I had a genetic predisposition to autoimmunity. And the vaccine was the, the catalyst that triggered it. So it can come, you know, some some children get diagnosed in their teens when they're really stressed with exams. Or yes. It's a stressor. Something has to trigger. Right. Which is why it comes down to lifestyle. Why I always, I always say your genes are not your destiny. Yeah. You know, your yeah. lifestyle will determine. Yeah. And we talk so, about cause and effect a lot, don't we, in what we do. And I guess it's right. kind of thinking like that, isn't it? Not dealing with the effect, but dealing with the cause. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Root cause, root yeah, yeah. cause approach. Yeah. So going back to your original, sorry, I, inter I interrupted you because I wanted to know a little no, bit that's about fine. the trick. So, so at this point it was a bit traumatic for you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So you asked what arthritis was. And so the, the autoimmune, the, the, the autoimmune response is the immune system is kind of attacking itself and sending yeah. inflammation to the joints. Mm. But if you understand it as a healing response, you ask, okay, why is it sending inflammation? And then this much easier to kind of get to the root cause and, uh, and to deal with it like that. But oh, at the yeah. time, 
I didn't know that and my yeah. parents didn't know that and the medical model as it's set up is let's attack mm. let's not support let's not see it as a healing response let's attack 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 so what the drugs do and the these um biologic drugs or these um this one was called methotrexate mm. um which wasn't a biologic it's a different sort of drug um it it kind of shuts down your immune system so that it can stop attacking itself right so i'll get to that bit in a minute but when i got to the bit where where i started thinking about this i was like well what if i build my immune system up yeah there's a thought instead of breaking it down and stopping it from working why don't i just build it up and then maybe it will stop attacking itself resilience common sense (laughs) common sense so um so yeah so i was on this chemo i lost you know like half my hair my liver was damaged um and the arthritis was literally everywhere i mean i couldn't bend my fingers i couldn't hold cutlery i couldn't feed myself my elbows wouldn't bend to get to my mouth to feed myself and i could the, the worst part probably apart from the not being able to talk as you can see i'm a talker i couldn't um i couldn't sit up straight so my hips were so stiff that it wasn't not being able to walk was the least of my worries but i had to kind of lie like at an obtuse angle all day because my hips were too stiff so i mean that's, I was, that's know, a frightening scenario isn't it for anyone in that situation yeah. you must be thinking and the, where do i go from here yeah and the pain was so overwhelming and the, the the disability the inability to move you know the mobility was just totally gone um <clears throat> and it was very frightening however i know i now know that i had to get as sick as i got in order to give me the push i needed to work as hard as i did to get better because if the arthritis would have been what had always been previous to that and kind of manageable you you know, as humans, we adapt, right? We're resilient, we adapt. I just would have got on with it and that would have been my life. And I would be living a very different, probably very linear life right now. Um, whereas that pushed me and I, I did always have this innate idea that this wasn't going to be my story. Just innately, I just knew that disability wasn't going to be my story, but remission was. And um, and I think my mum instilled that in me yes. all those years. She, just never believed it was my long term and I used to say what's wrong with you like I because I don't have this naturally I, I wasn't born with this naturally positive disposition I have to work at it okay so you're, you're naturally ago, a pessimist are you but you you apply science you apply curiosity to your no I wouldn't life. say I'm a pessimist I wouldn't say I'm a pessimist yeah. at all no I wouldn't um, I am not a pessimist I am an optimist yeah but I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist by nature, but I'm not positive. Does that make sense? Yes, like, it does. I'm actually me. not always like, I can have an optimism towards something, but I will always question it. Yes. Um, yes. Now it's very different because now I see everything way less, in a less linear. So everything is more spiritual for me and how I, in how I think about these things. So it's very different, but so I take a different approach to like, okay, why am I feeling like this? And let me explore that, let me sit with it. Whereas then it was like, well, what's wrong with you, mum? Can you see that it's never been any different? So why is it gonna be any different? But yet when I then went to have a treatment, I I moved to Israel uh, where my family are from because we heard of this alternative doctor who had this treatment called IPEC therapy, integrated physical emotional clearing. And that was kind of my initiation into really understanding this stuff. And yeah, so he uses kinesiology um, muscle testing to see, um, to ask the questions in order to know how to treat. So for those who don't know kinesiology, it's basically asking the subconscious and asking the body the questions through a process called muscle testing. And the first two questions he asks, he says are the most important. And he doesn't tell you really what he's asking. He just asks. And so you, you know, so you don't even have that kind of subconscious conscious reaction of, and so the questions were, do you believe you can get better? And do you want to get better? And it might sound like a really strange concept to people thinking, well, who wouldn't want to get better? But I don't know if you, you you know NLP, so you've heard of secondary gain and secondary gain is a massive thing. And from all the, these girls that I'd grown up with in the hospital, I had learned that none of them actually wanted to get better, not because they actively or consciously knew that, but secondary gain was a massive thing. It's very scary. You've never been able to work. All of a sudden you're going to have to go out and work. What's that going to be like? Yeah. All of a sudden you're going to have to be expected to be sociable 
be comfortable in your body when you've never felt comfortable because your body has always had this foreign, you know, thing in it that is not you. Like, what's that going to be like? It's very, very scary. This is the paradox of kind of the unconscious mind, isn't it? You know, sometimes the things we want, uh, mm. we, we, we kind of unconsciously don't connect to them. We might talk about them, but actually at a deeper level, we don't really truly map it out. And so no. we self-sabotage, don't we? Because like you say, sometimes being healthy will have consequences, but we often, because our unconscious mind is like this, will focus on the problems that those consequences bring rather than the benefits and how to cope with them and deal with them and enjoy them. Because it's a lot easier just to, just to live a life the way we, we are every day, isn't it? Because it's the expected. Right, that's the, yeah. And I always say to clients, you've got to get comfortable in your discomfort. That's where yeah. the growth is. Yeah. And, but, so he said what was amazing about it was that I'd never known life without a chronic illness. Mm. You know, I, it was before I was two and I was diagnosed, so I don't it's remember life. life without it. And so he said it was amazing that actually I answered, yes, I want to get better. And yes, I believe I can get better. But the wanting to get better was the big one. Um, so that was kind of, so I had some treatment with him over the course of a few months. By the way, the eye condition after 10 months of this drug that the whole reason I went on so that they could was so that they could operate, it was no better, it was worse. Um, so they still couldn't operate and the cataracts were just growing and it was, I couldn't see out the eye and it was just, it was very scary because, and we didn't really know what was gonna go on with the eye because the treatment, the, the holistic treatment I was having wasn't gonna be able to get rid of the cataracts or get the pressure down because it was pushing against the optic nerve. Yeah. So I went home after having this treatment. I, I, I went back to England after five months and felt like a new person. I was walking, I was better, I was feeling great. But I still hadn't made a decision to take this upon myself. It was someone else has fixed me. Right. And I'm angry still, and I haven't really worked through my trauma. I'm angry that I've lost two years of my life. And... I am going to just party. I'm just going to, you know, and I'd, my parents had taken out a loan to get me to Israel. So when I came back and I was healthy, I couldn't, I'd, I was supposed to go to university as well when all this happened and I had to defer for one year and then the second year and then I couldn't go because when I, all my friends were at university, I was in a wheelchair. Yeah. And um, so I'd lost out on the university years, lost out on traveling, all the stuff my friends were doing and had no money. And my parents had taken out this loan so I just had to work. That was when I met you, actually. That was when I worked. Many yeah. moons ago. Many, many moons. It was like 17 years ago. It is. Um, and so I just was like, you know, partying and just doing whatever I wanted because I thought, well, I'm, I'm good now. Mm. And a year later, it came back with a vengeance. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me. How come? Because I had to realise that I had to take responsibility for my own well-being. I could go and see all the practitioners in the world, but if I wasn't saying, right, this is on me, I can't just every time I get ill go and see, go, go to Israel and have that treatment or go and see a practitioner somewhere else or go and see a homeopath or, and I work really closely with my homeopath, naturopath, but it's on me. It has to come from me and the decision to get better and to be better long-term has to be a more conscious decision. And when I'd gone to Israel, I was in trauma. I was still in the midst of this trauma. I was 19, I hadn't worked through any of the trauma. And I, although he was doing a lot of energy work to release it, it, it takes way more than five months to work through a lifetime of trauma. And so I, um, I had to come back and go, oh, okay, right. I can't keep going to Israel for maintenance treatment. So I need to figure this shit out. Yeah. So that's what I did. And that's really when I start. I started meditating actually before even I went to Israel when I was 18. I did my first meditation with my mum's friend who is a healer, introduced me to the work of Brandon Bays right. um, and the journey. And I'd been going to different spiritual um, healers and started meditating, but it didn't become part of my daily practice until at this point when I was about 20, 21. Um, and so that decade was really spent from kind of the age of 20, immersing myself in intensive self-study. I wasn't healthy during it in terms of I wasn't, I didn't get better immediately. It didn't happen the next year or the year after that. It took a decade, it took an entire decade 
for me to get better. And that was because I needed to understand that a whole person approach to healing meant the whole person approach to healing. It meant I needed to understand everything from the epigenetic aspect of it. The environment. The environment. Yeah. So how my genes are responding to what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. So like I said, we all hold these, um, we all have many genetic predispositions Mm -hmm. But that is not what causes the illness. Like you say, cause and effect. What causes the illness is how we choose to live our lives. So I had to understand that and gain a really deep understanding of epigenetics and Mm. genetics um, and really delved into learning that, learning about neuroplasticity and how the brain works and that I could mold my brain if I wanted to, understanding how to build new neural pathways, learning about nutrition, qualifying in nutrition, which really I had done so much study on nutrition that my qualifications that I got didn't teach me much more if anything it was more getting that for a credibility sense because what I had learned in terms of holistic nutrition was so different to what these Mm. systemic models of education teach you it's like oh someone's telling you to you know the government draw up a plate what your plate should look like and that's what everyone should eat well no we need to eat on an epigenetic level as well we need to understand how our ancestral patterns are feeding into what we need to eat and understanding all of that understanding blood type understanding um emotion you know the trauma working through the trauma the emotional stuff repressed emotions understanding how to move my body what movement it needed um and then down to the spiritual practice, which is like the icing on the cake. You know, it's it's not the bonus. It's the thing that that solidifies it all and makes it all work. For me, you've got the, the three aspects, the physical, mental and emotional. Yeah. And the spiritual is what what really kind of creates the connects it all. Connects it all and just create kind of is that catalyst. Yeah. For the healing. Yeah. Because um, without that, it's OK. Well, what having that understanding that there's something bigger than us and that there is this opportunity for us to control our destiny and to connect to something and to have this this daily and and, and from a from a physical level with meditation as well understanding the brainwave states and knowing that i needed to calm my brainwaves i couldn't be operating from this like gamma state all the time i had to you know because then it's like fight and flight mode all day long when you're like oh i'm stressed because i've got too many emails i'm stressed because of all these like micro stresses throughout the day causing raised cortisol levels and that affects immune immune function and so it had to be everything anything that would affect my immune function had to be dealt with yeah it's kind of like a um, I, I just think it's a, a modern phenomenon just this addiction to stress and how it just distracts us right in the wrong direction doesn't it all the mm-hmm. time and we've got so many excuses i mean disclaimer this this podcast has got many disclaimers but this this is just our conversation isn't it but it's a good conversation because i think people need to be aware of the stuff that we're not fed from the news and from right. journals right and oh, it's good okay. to be curious <laughs> it's good to be curious isn't it absolutely i think that's exactly our problem we live these linear lives where we're yeah. told you know our, our our value is based on whether like how much money we earn mm-hmm. and how good you are at keeping to rules and taking tests but who actually knows who they are who's who's done any work to actually find out who they are because that's where your value lies and your authenticity and your sovereignty mm-hmm. and that's that's my life's work now yeah yeah and i think you're absolutely right modern life is is built on stress mm-hmm. that's what i find but i you know i you know i do a lot of corporate development coaching training and i meet so many good people men and women uh, old young who are following the same path into almost, and I would call it this, self-destruction. Yeah. Mm. And I mean that, when you talk about, you know, emotional, uh, physical, spiritual, mental, and they're all connected, absolutely all connected. And there's often one, two, even three or four parts of that jigsaw puzzle missing. Mm. And they were, and quite often we, we don't, we say we haven't got the time to dig and delve into each of those areas mm. and just, and just familiarize ourselves with who we are who we want to be, how we get there. Mm. And, and mental, physical, nutritional health is absolutely critical to, to life and happiness, I think. And we kind of just put it to one side and we just buy packaged meals and, and mm. sit on the sofa and go, oh, that was that was stressful, wasn't it? Right, what's and on then, the what can And I then read? watch Netflix all night and yeah. not actually do anything for our yeah. personal development. Why do you think we do that? We're, we're so conditioned listen you can we can go deep into this stuff 
but you know the matrix and all of that and <laughs> for, me, for me it's not a it's not a, a a concept like for me this is real I you know I feel like when you wake up to how the world is being run mm. and you start looking at life and at human beings and at systems with these new eyes you're like wow mm. wow how are you listening to this you know and not that that's a judgment on anyone because we're all on our own journey and we've all got to come to it yeah. at our own time whether it's in this life or a next life or however many lives we need to live until we figure it out but we are being conditioned from the moment we are born we are being conditioned and you know molded to be what society expects us to be and what society needs us to be to make this society work mm. as opposed to what we each individually need to be and if we were each individually thinking about our own well-being the collective would be a lot healthier as well yeah. but we're not it's so like even now it's like if you wear a mask and if you sanitize your hands by the way with an antibacterial sanitizer that's going to kill the very microbiome that's keeping you alive right. you will be saving the collective but where has there been anything in the news that said if you look after yourself and do all these things like take vitamin d get out in the sun walk put, put your face in the sun every day get fresh air meditate eat good food then you will be helping the collective like that because you will be stronger in your body and you will not need that healing response, anyone who's had COVID, it's a healing response. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now the vaccine's arrived. And I guess- We won't go there. We won't go there. I bet you've got some opinions <laughs> on that, haven't you? <laughs> so, but, but actually, just going back to where are you now? So, I mean, I guess, it, it, you know, I want to say, are you well? But I guess every day is a healing process, isn't it, for most people? If you live your life in a full way, mm -hmm. every day you're learning and healing something else and it all connects. So, I guess- you're free or more free from, from arthritis, I guess. Would that be right? I, I'm free from arthritis. I, I'm free from the system, mm. from the systems that kept me enslaved to believing I had an autoimmune disease, mm. understanding that that autoimmune disease was a healing response to something and that my body has the ability. The human body is a powerful thing, very powerful thing. But we, again, you know, it comes back to what we were speaking about just now we it, it wouldn't serve pharmaceutical companies for us to know that we could heal ourselves yeah, it wouldn't serve the system and the matrix and you know however deep you want to go with that that's you know so i have to take this upon myself so yes it's a daily uh, labor of love i guess mm. and i work at it every day through the thoughts i think through the things i eat what the water that i, I you know i drink very specific like distilled water Every aspect of my life is based on my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yes, I am in a state of homeostasis. Brilliant. Well done. That's good. I mean, it's great, isn't it? I mean, what what fascinates me is 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 ownership, right? Mm -hmm. So I I know that I have this life that I lead, and I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I don't know for sure what the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years is going to bring if I live that long. I don't know. So if I don't know, then I can't be scared of that. What I've got to do is every day celebrate the fact I'm alive, but put in play a playbook, if you like, of all the elements you've talked about. So you talk about sort of, you know, physical health. So, you know, I think about each week what I'm going to do with my physical health mm. and what's best for me but also not just accept it as it has been for the last 30 years, what's best for me, but do the research as well and be curious around right. new ideas and just read and watch and explore and speak to interesting people and, and get different viewpoints on physical activity, you know, and they, they talk now about, you know, doing intensive workouts for long periods of time might actually not be as helpful as short hit sessions, you know? And so you just try and you find out what works for you as well as anything else. Right. That's it. It's not a general rule of people look for general laws, don't they? Yeah, right. right? Because it's easier to live by that. It's easier That's to live it. by what someone else tells you. It's easier to turn on your news in the morning mm. and listen to what you're being told to do and go and do it. So if on the news this morning you're hearing you need to do this to prevent COVID, mm. this is the kind of exercise you need to do in the food you need to eat to lose 10 pounds in a week. Yeah. And, you know, this is the kind of thing you need to be thinking. And, you know, this is the kind of work you need to be doing to be stable then and that's what the majority of people do and that's how most people live that most people live by those 
those laws, this governing. Yes. And so we don't take responsibility for ourselves. And that is the very problem. And it is everything is in, should be an individualized approach. So yeah, so they say, oh, now hits better than these long workouts. In yeah. the 80s, it was this long aerobic workout. It's always going to change. So that's why it's about knowing your body, yeah. understanding how to intuitively tune in to what your body needs. And that's something I talk about a lot because because of all this conditioning, we've been silenced. We've been deafened to our own intuition. We don't know how to listen to it. But when you learn how to listen to your intuition again, wow, mm. there's so much power in that, so much magic in that because you're being authentically you. you you're doing for your body and your mind and your soul what you need, yeah. not what someone else needs you to do because they think that that's going to then help the collective, you yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at things like BMI, right, and the right. five, oh, the five yeah. a day and all that sort of stuff. BMI. I mean, people quote the BMI, you know. And it's, oh, don't even get me started on the BMI and the, so food, and the food pyramids and the... <laughs> oh, my God, no. You know, there are people I know who who would would measure as overweight on the bmi but it's just it's just not you know it, it's just not a good all these kind of metrics for health yeah, yeah, put in yeah, place yeah. by governments they do not take a whole person approach into account yeah. even that the scientists leading these things like where are they even getting their information i mean i'm not a qualified scientist but i have i spent a decade which is you know, now two decades, but the decade that I spent getting myself into remission, I went into remission eight years ago, by the way, that decade was spent teaching myself everything. I was told at school, I wasn't smart. I was told that I was average. And I heard this word average so much, not a high flyer, average, she'll be okay, but she's, you know, which is why I chose to go to performing arts school not because I didn't love it. I did love it, but I didn't think I was capable of anything else. And, um, literally I, I was and I wasn't strong in character you know that you've got some children who are like no I know I can do this and I, most children aren't I wasn't one of those strong children what I was being told was what I was going to be what I was going to listen to um and I spent this decade and subsequently now the following decade teaching myself how to read medical research studies I from my work I've done you know working with hospitals and I'm a trust, I was for seven years a trustee of the British Homeopathic Association and I worked with the Royal London in, uh, Hospital for Integrated Medicine and I was fortunate enough to meet many amazing doctors, professors from all over the world um, who taught me so much and because it was the Hospital for Integrative Medicine they taught me to think about it differently and so I learned how to read medical research posts. I learned how to see the bias beneath that Mm. are you asking the like you know are you asking the question of okay if you think that that drug was approved because it says in that medical research paper that it was okay have you looked at the backstory of that who's funded that paper that's right was it done independently or was it funded by the pharmaceutical company that wants you to buy this drug mm -hmm. yeah. everything has a backstory even these stories they tell you on the news of these people died because they didn't get this vaccine or they didn't take this drug whatever there's a backstory it's like when they do this sensationalist um stories on these children all died because of whatever you know or these horrible stories of these poor children dying of meningitis and then they make you think well you there is a backstory there is an, and i always look at the backstory see the thing with this is if you if you were to take a conversation hopefully in the future in the pub or a conversation on social media. If you challenge the narrative and the status quo, you quite often get called a conspiracy theorist. Oh yeah. And it's not that, it's because people love black and white thinking. You're either in or you're out, right? But when you That's actually it. become curious and you just want to explore, because what you're doing is you're not, you're not, you're not uh, criticizing everything and everyone. What you're doing is, is going, look, there has to be more to this than just what you're sold on a TV right. screen or in a newspaper. So it's, it's worthwhile having an understanding behind all of this. If I'm going to consume something, and what I mean by that is, is mental material, right? Because mm. it, it has a meaning to it, doesn't it? But, but what I found is, even just talking to some friends, they go, oh, you're such a conspiracy. What's the conspiracy? What's the conspiracy theorist as well? Oh, oh so because I'm questioning what the, yeah. the, the, there's this one system which is the mainstream media, which by the way, is also, all the systems are connected, right? So- They're funded by someone and someone. Who's funding them, right? <laughs> who's funding them? Yeah. You know, there's the backstory there. And this isn't easy, this isn't difficult to fact check. Go and see who's funding 
these right. newspapers, right? Go and see who's in bed with who. Yeah. And it's really not difficult to see that, you know, if you go onto pharmaceutical websites and you can see like hospitality, they call it hospitality, who's paying who, what? It's all there for you to see. That's right. You know? But yeah, like what is conspiracy? Because you question the status quo, mm. that makes your conspiracy theories because the majority of people are being fed and are listening to the status quo and what they're being told to listen to. So when you're not that person and you wake up and you go, whoa, what if there's something more to this? Because hold on, like scientists keep opening things and finding new things like there was the atom and then there was, there's all these new things all the time. But until the scientist finds it, we think that that's the last thing. That's right. If we can or it doesn't learn, exist. It doesn't exist, right. But if we can learn from previous experience and know that, well, they do keep finding new things, so perhaps there are still new things to find. Perhaps it's not ended in 2021. Like, there is stuff we don't know and stuff we can't possibly understand. Then you come to it with a more open mind and understand that, like you say, life, the world, the planet, the universe is not linear. There is, there is nuance to everything. Yes. There, there is no black and white. You know, and if you think in that black and white linear way, then you're going to live in that black and white linear way. And you might think you're happy. But what you are is not unhappy. And that's about it. Yeah, people are quite happy with a level of um, unhappiness almost yes. where, it, where they can put they're, they're moderately unhappy and that's OK. Mm -hmm. Moderately unhappy or the word. Well, I'm not unhappy. I'm OK. I hear a lot. Yeah. I'm OK. Yeah, I'm fine. Fine is like the worst word in the English dictionary. Yeah. Fine. What does fine mean? Fine means you're not, you don't even know who you are if you're fine. Who yeah. are you? So, so I guess you've got your own business now, which is brilliant. And I, and I guess it's built on those four philosophies, which is the, the, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of health. Would that be correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you, I guess you take people from being okay to thriving rather than surviving. That's the point. It's because it's never about, so I'm not, you know, just a health coach or just a mindset coach mm. it's everything because i don't i believe that a person any person on this planet in order to be in a state of healing in a state of homeostasis needs to work on every aspect of themselves yeah. Yeah. so even if someone comes to me to improve their money mindset or their career you know we're gonna go back and figure out well why is your money mindset like this and let's work through every aspect let's see what repressed emotions you've got let's see what trauma you've got what are you doing in your daily health because if your physical body isn't being looked after then you're not a vessel for manifestation of abundance mm. so it's everything it's always everything and um this yeah this this is what i see the most this kind of lingering unhappiness um th this kind of mild like you say moderate unhappiness that most people what I see is that many people don't actually realize how unhappy they are until they start doing the work. Sure. And sometimes you can see it in people that you know. And as a coach, it's really difficult to, to find that balance and to not overstep the mark with people you know, because they if they if they're not on that journey, then they're not going to necessarily approach you for you. They don't really know what's involved in it. Yeah. They don't want to be vulnerable, do they, sometimes? Because it's opening up Pandora's box to a friend right. almost. Yeah. But you see people and you're like, oh, you could, you know, I just know that you could benefit from this mm -hmm. and it would be so helpful. But again, it might not be their journey. But the one thing that every single client I've ever had says is if everyone, every single client has said the same thing. So say that again, sorry, we just cut off a little bit. What was the one thing they said? Well, it was good timing, wasn't it? <laughs> if everyone knew what this could do for you, everyone would be doing it. Everyone would be having coaching, basically. Like yeah. a whole person approach to coaching because yeah. it's that people don't realize how unhappy they are or how they're not thriving yeah. when they don't realize i think many people don't realize how good life can be and how thriving you can be mm. given the opportunity and is that because we again it goes back to the unconscious mind and we are tribal aren't we right and so we we, we like we feel safe in groups so we follow the tribe and if that is a general rule of thumb that has to be right right mm. and so it's easier then for us to follow what the general rule of thumb is right rather than actually looking at it and going is that benefiting me do i feel good about that how do i actually feel about what i'm doing the choices i'm making and and who do i want to be and how do i want to feel in the future and right. how do i get there it's probably more important and am i willing to take a few risks right yeah, yeah. asking the questions i mm. think uh, 
yeah, I think we just need to always ask ourselves questions. Yeah. And so, so would you say your your business is built around coaching, or is it is it more than that? Uh, so there's a few aspects to what I do. It's kind of everything comes under the one the one umbrella of mm -hmm. I guess the brand. But I've I've got the podcast, the Recondition Podcast. Oh yeah, of course. Where I interview uh, all sorts of people um, within this kind of world, all about them. Um, uh, taking responsibility my whole ethos is empowering people to take responsibility for their own well-being mm. and so everyone from you know this week's episode was with a, a, a spiritual and psychological astrologer um, and then I've got a shaman in a few weeks and um, oh, do you know what all, all shaman fascinate me yeah I, I, I'm one of those people that I do want to go to the Amazon basin and yeah, find yeah. one of those you know <laughs> find one of those shaman that I can start doing these these hallucinogenic drugs and just sort of like explore yeah, that's like yeah uh, so I work with a South American shaman that's yeah. my, my spiritual um teacher um this shaman that I interviewed is different he's like a more of a kind of like a celebrity shaman if you like oh but really he's, he's brilliant he's yeah shaman direct he's um He's uh, he's Gwyneth Paltrow's shaman. Ah. But, um, yeah, he's but my shaman is a lot more my shaman. The shaman I work with is a lot more um, understated. He's he's very um, elusive. <laughs> yeah, you with your connections. <laughs> well, he you know he that it was that was divine intervention that okay. came to me. Oh yeah, how it was sent to me and how it how that has unfolded is another story altogether. But yeah, for me, I I um, I need that spiritual guidance. Um, to have to be working with someone like that who's another you know I thought I knew spirituality until I met him and then right. other, other levels of spirituality so um but going back to what I do yeah so we've I've got the podcast and yeah I'm a coach so I I mean I, I guess I'm I market myself as a life and wellness coach wellness and life coach but it, it's everything you know it is the whole person approach to healing so whether you're suffering trauma, whether you are unwell and want to get better, whether you have repressed emotions, whether you're just unhappy or what, you know, the, the majority of people I, I treat, I treat, I work with are women who are not unhappy. <laughs> yeah, and we yeah. get them to a place where they are thriving. And that's why every single one of them says, I didn't realize how happy I could be. If everyone knew about this, everyone would be doing it. Mm, yeah. And so, okay. So, so let's, let's just, let's dip our toe into the water a little bit, I think, because you've mentioned lots of different things so far in our conversation. And a lot of people will understand some of it. Some people understand none of it. For example, meditation, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you meditate every day. Yeah, that's my non-negotiable. So I have ah. one of my things that I recommend to people and that I live by is daily rituals. I'm really fond of daily rituals i think it really kind of adds richness to our lives um well, we need structure got, don't we i guess i mean it's structure to do good structure. Things. it's just knowing that you are implementing things into your life that are enabling you empowering you to take responsibility yeah. for your well this is me taking responsibility for my well-being so from an emotional uh, brain science point of view i am i'm doing that so i'm doing something for my well-being i feel good about it yes um and also, you know, the spiritual things that are part of my rituals as well. Um, oh my gosh, I forgot your question. Meditation. Meditation, meditation yeah. So, but I've got young children. My children are two and five. I can't always do all the rituals that I want to do. Like I can't always go for a run or, you know, do yoga every morning, but meditation's my non-negotiable that doesn't go out the window. Um, and what does it give you? What's, what's, the, what's the big win for you with meditation? Again, like I don't see anything as linear. Nothing has just a one, mm. you know, that there, there are many aspects to it. So there's the spiritual aspect to it where I'm connecting to something deeper than me mm -hmm. on a daily, twice daily, however many days, times a day I'm meditating basis where I am getting that connection to my higher self, to something deeper than me that I am able to then understand get perspective on life it gives me perspective on life because i understand that me and this physical body is just a tiny part of mm. the big picture yeah. from a physical sense i am calming my brainwave states i'm getting myself into the theta state where when i come out theta state is the meditative hypnotic state right. yeah. 
obviously you can't operate in that all day long that's how children operate children mm -hmm. between the ages of zero and seven operate in that state and that's why they can play so imaginatively that's also why they absorb everything they're told and that's why we're conditioning children without knowing it sure. and that's why it's dangerous and we have to be careful how we speak to children at that age because they're absorbing everything because they're in a hypnotic state when you come out of meditation or even by doing breath work you're in an alpha state and that's kind of the state we want to try and operate in as much as possible where you're not stressed you're able you're function you're functioning mm -hmm. but you are not in these kind of high stress brainwave states and when you do that your cortisol levels are a lot a lot lower and you're not operating from fight and flight um, and what meditation does is because our, and you know, all of this, but you know, our brains, when we're stressed, we use our reptilian brain, which is the old ancient part of the brain, the prehistoric part of the brain where we, we are um, operating it. So if we get a stressful email or we haven't got the kids out of the house in time or, you know, whatever it might be, we're stuck in traffic our brain is responding to that in the same way that it would be that it would respond when faced with, you know, a predator when we were hunter gatherers Sure. Yeah. and your body fills with floods with acid and your cortisol levels go up and you have this fight and flight experience. But the problem is when we were hunter gatherers, that might happen once every few months, once a month. Yeah. Now it's happening many times a day, every day. Mm -hmm. And the body can't thrive when that happens. You can't, do that like there are many chemical processes that happen in mm. that in, in that stress yeah. instance and we can't thrive like that so meditation brings that all down calms that all down so you can operate from a calmer state so you're not in fight and flight mode and that is integral for physical wellness yeah absolutely i think in in lockdown you know i've i've you talk about practices and i've i always decide to learn things every year you know, yeah that's amazing. And, and you know what? I just, I just love meditation now. Yeah. And I, I was a mindfulness, well, I am a mindfulness practitioner and I've been doing that for years and years before it became different sort of though, so different, right? It is different, right? And that's the thing. And, and meditation just is, it just, like you say, it just calms things down, doesn't it? You yeah. feel so much, it's not, I wouldn't say the word it's better, clarity. different, clarity. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's. More I get clarity on everything. And then yeah. also for me, I, I very much tune into my intuition and to my guides when I'm meditating and I get the clarity of if there are decisions that need to be made that comes to me in meditation, you know, sitting in the silence. It's like, it's what, you know, my spiritual teacher has taught me just sit in the silence for the answers because we don't ever listen. We're just kind of trying to make decisions from an ego from the place of the ego as, as opposed to the higher self. And so sitting in the silence and, and I do, cause I know that meditation is something that a lot of people want to do, don't know where to start. So I, I, as part of my coaching, either my private coaching or I do a group course for women, which I run um, three times a year. Yeah. And within that, one of the modules is meditation. So, um, because I think that going through, there are 12 modules and it basically works through the whole person. Yeah. Um, from clearing trauma to inner child to, um, the divine feminine to ancestral healing physical fundamentals meditation meditation has to be in there because that has to be part of your practice if you yeah. want to be a well person yeah. and people find the time to meditate don't use time as an excuse for time time everything. is a story time is oh. a story tell themselves i mean listen i'm running two businesses and i have two young children mm. and i juice my wheatgrass every morning i meditate yeah. every day you know usually more than once a day do my breath work I read every day mm -hmm. even if it's not for long I have to read before I go to bed mm -hmm. um and now Daniel and I do um do breath work before we go to bed every night just kind of gets us like you know we have to down regulate mm -hmm. calm the autonomic nervous system how can we go to sleep I, I work nights now as well like I'm so busy that I'm working mm -hmm. late and that doesn't really suit me as a person because I'm just like I'm an early morning person and yeah, I like yeah. to, at the moment I'm just in that phase of my business. And so I'm just kind of going with it and accepting it. And so in order to downregulate after that, I do 10 minutes of breath work before I go to bed. It's a, power, it's a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. It really is. So how about some, some advice or some tips for people around their health? What, what's, yeah. what are the strong beliefs and views that you have that you could turn into sort of tips for people just to go away and just think about and digest? First thing I'd say is um, be open to anything and don't yeah. see anything as quackery. Like we know that we don't 
know anything. We know that energy is a thing and we vibrate at frequencies, like even Einstein proved that. And mm. yet we don't begin to think that there's a bigger entity of structures that we can't possibly fathom. Um, and just, you know, we have to find a connection to that and understand that we don't know everything. Like we know that the infinity, that the universe is infinite and yet we don't know what infinity is, but we still, be, so we have to know that there's something in that. So the first, that's always the first thing I'd say. My main lesson is always empower yourself by taking responsibility for your own well-being. No one can make you healthy, happy or fulfilled. Only you can do that. So not even a holistic practitioner. And I see holistic practitioners they were a huge part of my healing journey still are i see my homeopath i see my naturopath when i need to i work with a functional medicine doctor um but there's no well-being without putting in the work ourselves first and foremost understanding that it has to come from us from us making the decision i'm going to get well and i'm going to make this commitment mm. healing trauma spending time on your spiritual practice honoring your mind and body Staying close to nature, I, I don't I think we forget just how important it is where we are from nature. So we need to be in nature to thrive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just doing all these little things like the way you eat, the way you think, the water you're drinking, being out in nature, moving your body, taking responsibility for yourself, healing trauma, releasing energy. If you live like that, you can't go wrong. And also staying in a place of love and compassion um, because anger doesn't serve and you know even if someone opposes our views that's okay they're on their own journey we're on ours i would just wrap them in white light energy and that you know life feels better like that so and also the last thing is find your purpose find out what makes you happy yes and i do this with clients a lot because this is wow probably one of the most important things that we've glazed over but um find your purpose find out who you are at your core who is your authentic self how can you live authentically you know in your own authenticity and your own sovereignty yeah find yeah. things that make you happy do the right. things that make you happy yeah we're blindfolded often aren't we by just by by deciding to do the certain things that society tells us to do and then and then we, we sit there and resent everyone and everything around us and we blame them for not you know helping us to get to where we want to be but if we haven't defined it how are they supposed to know anyway well i think it's because we don't know ourselves yeah. so like a lot of the time when i start with clients i'm like what makes you happy and they don't really know they'll say my children or my work or but that's like they're not getting to the core what what things fill you up like what really fills you up you know yeah. and we do i've got an exercise that i created that i work through um with clients to get to the bottom of who they are who is your authentic self I call it your core essence. What is your core essence and how can we bring that out of you and um, enable that to uh, propel you into this life of total fulfillment? Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't mean things aren't going to go wrong or you're going to have, like, I'm not happy every day, every minute of every day. You know? <laughs> I'm still a human. And um, it doesn't mean that things are just going to be swimmingly good every day and things are going to be great. You will come across adversity, but again when we don't see things in a linear way when we see it as in every bit of adversity and every single and every challenge there is a lesson we can learn a lot from that and and one of the biggest lessons i've learned something that's liberated me so much is not fighting emotions yeah just letting them wash over me letting it happen like if something's happening to me if i'm having a day where i'm feeling something there's a reason i need to feel it mm. and instead of thinking right what can i do to stop me feeling like this like you know people say oh i went to work it was good because it distracted me from it or i did this and it distracted me i went out with my friends i do the opposite now and it's, it's not wallowing there's a difference because i don't let it happen for days but i have a day or two or three whatever i feel intuitively i need to let the emotion wash over me because the, you know the feelings are just kind of a physical response to an emotion mm. and sometimes you need that physical response you need to feel where is it in your body yes yeah and but i guess also mm. if you are if you are feeling resentment for example and then you get angry with resentment you've, right. got, you've got a double layer there haven't you of... so true that's so true you see that a lot like the frustration with how you feel or the frustration that you you feel like that yeah it's yeah. so true and i just i think it's really really liberating to yeah. allow yourself to just feel yeah and so yeah how would that serve you and it wouldn't serve you would it so you've got to think well actually i'm allowed to feel resent you know resentfulness or resentment right. and uh, that's where the whole 
you know, think positive thing doesn't actually work because you there is a reason why you're feeling some things sometimes and it's important to feel them. And so that's why I said I'm an optimist. Mm. But I'm not, you know, so because I think you can be optimistic. Like I'm optim if I'm feeling shit one day and I'm feeling a bit depressed, yes. I'm optimistic that I'm not going to feel like that forever. Mm. I'm also not sitting there going, but it's fine. I'm just going to be positive about it and it will go away because I don't want it to go away. That's right. I want it to, where is it in my body? Where am I finding it? And then how can I use that and move into it to let it move through my body? And then I'll do some like tapping EFT or whatever to kind of move it through my body. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Again, it goes back back to black and white thinking, you know, optimists and pessimists. Right. And exactly. it just it put people in boxes, and then that's what you are. And it makes us right. it, it makes us it allows us to understand people, but we don't understand that at all. I mean, that's just no. nonsense, isn't it? And I'm people know me as an optimist, but there's sometimes where I, you know, shit happens, doesn't it? And you've got to you've got to face the fact that bad stuff happens, and you've got to learn to deal with it in the best possible way you can. You can't yeah. just look out the window and go, yay, life's great when something bad's happened. It's what it is. Yeah. It's how you cope and then how you deal with it. That's the important thing and how you rise on the back of that yeah. and how you learn from it, right? Exactly. Because everything's a message. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so how can we find you, Lauren? You can find me on my Instagram uh, at Lauren Vacneen. And um, my podcast is Reconditioned, Reconditioned with Lauren Vacneen, which is, um itunes uh, pop, um spotify wherever you get your podcast basically yeah, yeah. um my blog is laurenvacneen.co.uk and my coaching website is laurenvacneencoaching.com brilliant thank you so much should we do this again let's definitely yeah we'll, we'll we'll select a hardcore topic yeah and then go how, yeah yeah see yeah. how people respond to this eh the authentic yeah, yeah. self perhaps or something like that you know yeah, no, I like I like going deep in the topic because yeah. it, it, it's like you know, telling the story always kind of takes takes the time. But then when you kind of open up a topic and you go deep with that, I like that. It's yeah, fun. brilliant. Well, thank you so much, and thank I know you. So you I know you'll have a great day and a great weekend, and we'll catch <laughs> soon, right? Definitely. See you later. Bye.